Questo è Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che gol! 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 Il magnifico! Il magnifico! Il magnifico rettore! Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. El largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol. 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 Cerebro. Cerebro. Cerebro Iniesta. The doctor is now in. Definitely one of my favorite times of year. Euro Cup going on right now. Loving it. Getting to the end of group stage. And then we get to the real betting. You know, we have to do these three-way lines anymore. It's like, okay, who will advance? Then we get into the OTs. We get into the extra time. Then we get into the penalty kicks. There we go. And a lot of people don't like penalty kicks in soccer, but very, very exciting. No one bother me Wednesday morning, okay? I'll be glued to Germany and Hungary. How about that? Germany with a 4-2 victory on Saturday. They got behind 1-0, and all the German fans are going crazy. They're going, oh, my God, we got to get rid of Yogi Love. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. And all of a sudden, they scored. They scored again. You know there were three goals in that first half, Portugal and Germany, and they were three Goals scored by Portugal. But Germany led 2-1. to one. How's that? Own goals. That's right. <laughs> and Germany lost on the own goal to France. Well, what a different look oh, on your face crazy. when Germany is the beneficiary of own goals See, as opposed to the other way. I knew you were going to say that. Well, the, the, the room is, you can turn out the lights and it will still be shiny in here from the beam on your face. But boy, after game one. Woo! That was a little bit different look. Okay, but these were different own goals here. Now, you have to hear me out on this, all right? Now, if you watch the game against France, the own goal was a gaff. You talk about the flurry gaff in game number three. This was the gaff, uh, you know, by Hummels there. So, and he was like, oh, he kicked it in, the own goal. So, when Germany was playing Portugal on Saturday, okay, a ball went into the box Hit a German player. Both players were right there, so it went bing, bing, and went off the guy. Ricochet Rabbit? R- Ricochet Rabbit. There you go. <laughs> Wasn't that a cartoon or what? Yes. But so, Deputy Drupal. Okay, so that was Germany's first goal, okay, to tie it up at one. And they initially gave the goal to the German striker. But then they had to go back and review, oh, well, technically it, it, it did go off the Portugal player. So that yeah. So then the second goal w- w- didn't go Ricochet Rabbit, as you say, but they were both there. And they're both going for the ball and went off the Portugal guy's uh, leg and into the net. So, by the a little way, different. I, by the way, I only said Ricochet because you said bing, bing. Because Ricochet's <laughs> rabbits, his, his, his trademark was bing, 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 Ricochet rabbit. So, 
You know, Otherwise, I would say like a pinball machine or something. But yeah, I know most of these old school, you know, cartoon television references with Frank, but he's even got me on that one. So maybe Ricochet Rabbit and Deputy Droop alone were they were the solid deal. Yeah, see, now I, you are older than me too, yeah. so you're, you're showing it now. But that's okay. They took on El Loco, 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 Loco Diablo once. Ooh, that was a that was a that was a that was a. That was a mean, ornery... Uh, was it a match? Was it a boxing or a <laughs> UFC match? What was that? Uh, it, it was in or the Or was it a Libre? <laughs> I, I didn't even know that rabbits were sheriffs in the Old West, yeah. but apparently they were. <laughs> well, Barney Fife uh, was, was a... Well, he wasn't a sheriff. He was a deputy. No. <laughs> he would have been the deputy. Droop along to Andy would have been the ricochet rabbit in that. There you go. As we digress about as far as we can go. And this it, is where Into we, the so-called rabbit hole. There you go. And then we bring in our good friend Matthew Holt to get us out of that rabbit hole. Matt, uh, you don't get this on every show, do you, Matt? No, this is, uh, you guys are the special show. <laughs> That's... Oh, I almost said something completely politically incorrect these days, so I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> and that's why you love it so much, Matt. That's why. Where else? Can, where else can you be entertained and also get all of this great sports knowledge as well, too? And non-sports. <laughs> and non- yeah, non-sports television knowledge. Uh, Matt, come on! You're watching Euro 2020, even though we're in, in 2021 here. Give me some thoughts. Uh, you know what? I watched less than most of the guys in the office. I did have Finn, uh, what was it, the game with Russia on where they got hammered today. I watched I Denmark 4-1. to one. Yeah. 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 Denmark hammer Russia pretty good. Um, I've yet to make a wager on any of the events and probably won't the entire time. But um, I know it's popular. You know, I think... In certain sectors, it seems to be really popular. We see times uh, in different states and different operators through the integrity monitoring we do where there's some states where the handle seems pretty good, and they're doing some good numbers on this. And in other states, um, you, you think it's minor league baseball. There's just no betting at all. So, well, a really a wide gap in terms of interest in this in different states. Yeah, no, that is uh, that is very true. And uh, like I said, we've got college baseball going on right now as well, too. It'll be interesting to see where that goes as we get closer towards you know the championship series there. Yeah, when it comes to the wagering on the Euro Cup, if I were to guess, an educated guess would be the bigger cities with more diversity and different, like, so, like in Chicago where there's the Irish neighborhood and the Polish neighborhood and the Russian and that, I would think that maybe that would be more popular in those places where they have that diverse Euro type of communities in that. Well, I can say this, and I know that you would think Nevada and, and some of these places with high Latino populations as well that really tend to jet, you know, gravitate towards soccer would do, would do well. But the East Coast states are doing a little bit better. The Northeast, and some of it's time zone, right? The first matches don't start till noon. The second ones start at 3 p.m., so it's pretty easy to get down on both. A lot of times out here on the West Coast, people going for the 9 o'clock matches are on their way to work. And yeah. They forget about it, you know, or they don't have time to make a bet on that first match. So we do see a lot more activity on the second matches on the West Coast than we do the first ones. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. For a lot of people, they do their handicapping, say, in the morning of that day. And you're so used to these games starting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon being the earliest, you know, with baseball and basketball and everything else. And a lot of times, oh, man, I, I, you know, I'm guilty of that, too. It's like, wow, I missed that game today. That's what, why you need the phone app. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, you know, it doesn't do you any good if you if you pass well, post. Well, if it's already, yeah, if it's already yeah. started. Yeah. But a lot of people do their handicapping in, in the morning of, right, Matt? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that 9 a.m., let's face it, I mean, this is a big city with over 3 million people here, if you include, you know, the whole metro area for Vegas, North Vegas, Henderson, and Summerlin, and a lot of people still work 9 to 5s. And when you get to work at 9, the game just started, it's hard to even then use the phone app when you're in traffic. So, you know, you allow them to get to work, they realize it's on, they go, oh, yeah, and then they could bet the second tier of those, but those 9 a.m.s don't do so great handle-wise in the West Coast. All right, Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. Matt, let's talk about the NCAA Supreme Court ruling that came down earlier today. Supreme Court of the United States unanimously uh, affirmed a ruling offering an uh, incremental increase in how college athletes can now be compensated. I know this opens the door for further legal challenges that could really uh, have a big-time effect on the current NCAA model so kind of break it uh, down for us here. And what, what does this ruling mean today? So I don't, and I've heard a lot of people on different sides celebrating it. Some hate it. Some say it's going to set athletic administration back for years. I know in my business it makes things tricky. So, you know, a couple of years ago the focal point for some of these universities was how is regulated sports betting going to affect us on campus? What do we need to do in terms of education, monitoring of athletes, making sure you know, there's not misuse of insider information with people setting up criminal enterprises to profit off that information? And today, if you talk to any athletic administrator across the country, they're just trying to figure out how NIL affects them and how it affects their job in terms of keeping athletes eligible and what they're allowed to do and um, and that eats up the monopoly of all their time. And what worries me going into this season is there's going to be less focus spent on education, you know, uh, especially around other issues like drugs or, you know, the different issues with integrity on sports, sports wagering. So I, I think it's good for the student-athletes. Let's face it, you know, this is America, and the fact that people are profiting off their name, image, and likeness, they should have some right to financially benefit from that. I think most rational people would agree with that. My concern in the short term is so many important things on the collegiate campus, on the collegiate athletic side, are going to take a back seat while administrators across the country try to figure out what NIL means to them. Right. Okay. And just to update everyone here, so today um, the decision was to upheld what the district court judge's decision was a while back, that the NCA was violating antitrust law by placing limits on the educated-related benefits that schools can provide to its athletes. Uh, the decision allows schools to provide their athletes with unlimited compensation as long as it's some way connected to their education. Now, uh, you know, educators are, you know, the NCAA is saying like, hey, you know, we we do give benefits beyond just the scholarships and the education. And they're saying, hey, you know, we take care of tuition, we take care of food, books, you know, uh, travel, this sort of thing. But this is a little bit much bigger. I mean, obviously, athletes would love to be paid here. So, again, this is going to open the door for – and when they use the term, I guess, you know, unlimited, you know, benefits here, what does that mean? Yeah, I think the door is wide open, to your point. And I think they were intentionally vague in saying unlimited. And then they knew that 
there's going to be benefits that they're not even thinking of. What we're going to see now is administrators across the country, once they figure out what they can do in terms of eligibility, getting real creative on what they can offer these student-athletes. And it's about to be an arms race across the country uh, in terms of what they offer these guys. And the separation between the big guys and the little guys, which a lot of people complain about, in major sports like football, it's about to get wider, that gap. And, you know, you bring that up, and I know that everybody or a lot of people out there have thought for years and years that athletes should be paid, but, you know, if you're paying the football and basketball players, like you mentioned, are you paying every other athlete in the school? Uh, Is uh, Power Five conferences going to have no salary cap and the other conferences are going to have a salary cap or can only pay so much? Or the one thing that's always scared me about this whole thing is – are some schools going to be losing sports and maybe even their football and basketball programs because they can't compete? And, yeah, the Ohio States, the Floridas, a lot of schools make a ton of money. There's some schools that are struggling to keep their programs alive right now. Yeah, there's a reason why you don't see the major Power 5 school uh, schools out there screaming you know, uh, about how bad this could be for, and how potentially this could negatively impact campuses because they're going to thrive. They have plenty of money, and now their only challenge is how do they creatively distribute that money to student-athletes. And in reality, let's face it, I mean, there's probably been plenty of money being distributed illegally to student-athletes and their families in the past. We've had plenty of people get caught, plenty of people where, you know, it's been widely rumored it happened and they didn't exactly get caught for whatever reason. And now it's just a simple matter of creativity and how do we funnel even more funds to these students. And during the recruiting process, don't you think that name, image, likeness, and reimbursement, we'll call it, however they decide to, you know, distribute those benefits, we won't call it funds, we'll call it benefits, Obviously, that's going to be a major selling point. When you walk into a young man's living room now, it's not just about, you know, what opportunities to go professional are there, what opportunities in terms of playing time and coaches' style are there. It's also going to be about what that school can offer your son or daughter in terms of benefits. And to your point, let's face it, where are most of these benefits going to go? Football and men's basketball. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, Matthew Holt joins us from U.S. Integrity. All right, man, let's talk a little betting from the uh, the NBA side here. Uh, we've got number one seeds uh, that are gone here. Uh, I, I asked uh, Bill Cartwright this last year. I want to ask you the same question here. Who's the biggest disappointment here? Is it Philly? Is it Brooklyn? Is it Utah? Who's the it biggest Philly. Yep. Philly by far has to be the biggest disappointment because A, they were playing the most unestablished team in the Atlanta Hawks. We're talking about a team that's made the Eastern Conference twice, Eastern Conference Finals twice in the last 54 years, right. and was basically a non-playoff contender in the really low East for years here in a row. So the fact that they're suddenly in the Eastern Conference Finals is by far the biggest upset of the four teams that are here. And they're the only team that didn't really have the injury excuse. They could say, well, Joel Embiid was playing on a torn meniscus, and he was just playing through it. A lot of guys have played through meniscus injuries. I'm not saying that Embiid was anywhere near 100%. But at the end of the day, Kyrie Irving was gone. And, you know, uh, 
you know, Utah was missing players, including Mike Conley, who didn't play, and their second-best player was basically playing on one leg. And so at least there was legitimate injury and availability concerns for most of the other teams. So it gives you a little bit of a built-in excuse. I mean, Kevin Durant played his ASS off uh, ever since uh, Kyrie went out, and Harden shouldn't have even been in there. He was hobbling around on that hamstring issue. So everybody else has built-in injury excuses is Philly just doesn't have an excuse here. You played a drastically inferior team and got it handed to you, and you got outplayed, and more, just as importantly, you got outcoached in crunch time in every single game. When it comes to Philadelphia, and you talk about them and, and the collapse of them, where do you put the bulk of the blame, or is there enough to spread for everybody? Is it Doc Rivers? Is it Ben Simmons and his lack of play in the fourth quarter and, and disappearing from games? Is it the, the injuries to Embiid, or, or is it just that there's a lot of things that need to be changed there? Because we saw this team tank for how many years to try to get the number one or close to the number one pick every year, and they're still chasing that championship. Yeah, I don't know. I remember when Hack-A-Shack was a strategy. I have never in my life dreamed that there would be a -a Hack-A-Point Guard strategy (laughs) in the NBA, yet we have a point guard here who can't shoot free throws. Everybody thought Ben Simmons was this unique weapon. I think people across the entire country, not just across the Philadelphia area, are falling out of love with Ben Simmons faster and faster as he just does not fit the mold of what a star player needs to be in the NBA anymore. Um, and then the rest of that roster, I'm just not sure about. And Doc Rivers. Look, say what you want about Doc. I always loved Doc because I was such a Boston Celtics fan. Doc really hasn't got it done with some good teams. He didn't get it done with the Clippers. He really didn't get it done here in a heavily favored spot. That coaching certainly can come into question. And, and then the play of Ben Simmons in the fourth quarter of these games. Wow. Whew. All right, I'm going to hit all of those with you, Matt, here. Let's go back to this. First of all, we know, okay, we know the watch basketball. Ben Simmons isn't a point guard. They tried to make him a point guard. And I said this back when this guy was at LSU. This guy is going to be one of the most overrated guys as he heads in the NBA and one of the most overpaid guys. What did he do at LSU? He didn't do anything as far as leading his team anywhere anywhere at any time in a very weak SEC outside of Kentucky at that point in time. And this guy has not developed. He's been injured. You can also say with Joel Embiid, I'm going to throw him in the mix as well too. He's, he's a great specimen, a great talent. He doesn't take care of himself. Both these guys have been often injured because they don't take care of their bodies in the offseason. And this Philadelphia team, the way they've been constructed, they tank games in years past. Okay, so they could get these high draft picks. But there's no chemistry on this team. People want to say, oh, the big three. The big three of what? Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris? Are you kidding me? That's not going to rival any big three. And then you spend all of this money to bring in Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, we all like Doc Rivers. Why? Because he's a nice guy. He smiles. You see him on TV. But what has he won? He's won just as much really as Ben Simmons. I mean, absolutely nothing. And you're paying this guy a boatload of money. Here's what, need, what should have happened in Philadelphia. 
And Doc Rivers has never done this wherever he's been. He has been given superstars. But when have you ever seen Doc Rivers develop talent, coach talent, work with these guys one-on-one? He might be a good face, and I think that's all Doc Rivers is. He's a face. But every time his teams underachieve, I mean, he just makes excuses, plain and simple. But I've never seen him be one of those guys that gets out in front of it. He is not an innovator in any way, shape, or form. He's an excuse maker. And again, he's not a developer of talent. And wherever he's been, his teams have should have been much better. So are you saying that when it comes to coaching that Doc should be sued for malpractice? Absolutely correct. There you go. I know it's pretty harsh. But really, let, let's tell it like it is here. I mean, this Philadelphia team underachieved. The Clippers underachieved. And now, and good for Chris Paul. I mean, a lot of people blame Chris Paul, you know, for his time in the Clippers. You know, well, Chris Paul's he's on a winner now. He could be on an NBA champion this year. And you know what's really interesting about this whole Philadelphia collapsing? If you look at the Hawks now, they're playing a team that was two spots below, you know, uh, Philadelphia basically the one. Now you're playing the three seed, and the three seed is a minus 440 favorite over the Atlanta Hawks. So, I mean, what was Philly? Philly was like five and a half to one to beat this team. Oh, really disappointing. Yeah, all right. Totally disappointing. So let's talk a little bit about the the Bucks here. And that Brooklyn Bucks game was a, a, a phenomenal game seven. The Bucks got it one fifteen one eleven. Again, this is the first time that a number uh, in in a game seven to go into overtime in fifteen years. When I heard that stat, that kind of blew me away. Fifteen years that we haven't had a game seven go into overtime. That was that, that's that's crazy. But you had no Kyrie Irving. You had a hobbled James Harden. Kevin Durant really had to do everything by himself. Forty-eight points. Hit a jumper at the buzzer that actually tied it. His foot was on the line in regulation, and then they went back to review it because they thought it might be a three. Just think if if, if Kevin Durant was wearing maybe a size fifteen instead of a size seventeen, uh, they win this series. They advance on. Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, now it's going to be interesting to see how far the Milwaukee Bucks can go because I don't, I'm not sure that they are priced appropriately here. They are priced like a healthy Brooklyn would be against Atlanta or a fully healthy Philly was against Atlanta. The fact that they are a four-and-a-half-to-one favorite, they just beat a Brooklyn team that was out two, without two-thirds of the big three. I mean... I feel like they're a little overvalued here. Atlanta played good basketball down the stretch, and I'm wondering if the value here may not lie on the side of the Atlanta Hawks. No, I mean, I think you're right, Matt. Again, you know, let's let's face it. This number is 450 or whatever it is for the series because of the star power. It's the Greek freak. It's Giannis. And then people love these three-point shooting teams. I mean, the Bucks can shoot lights out. They can beat you by 25 any given night. But they can go ahead and lose when they turn in these, you know, six for, for 40 uh, performances from beyond the arc. And we've seen that as well, too. But it sounds like it's just pure star power here. It's not necessarily a three versus a five seed. It's the star power. And Atlanta's got to be feeling supremely confident right now. Oh, yeah. They've already advanced to this stage of the playoffs. They're young enough with a guy like Trey Young to think that they can beat anybody. And to use the term out here, they're kind of playing with house money at this point. Yeah. And what happened 
last year in the Eastern Conference where a bunch of teams that were supposed to be there underachieved and a team that got hot at the end playing with house money made it all the way to the finals in the Miami Heat. The Atlanta Hawks look an awful lot this year like the Miami Heat did last year. They play very good team basketball, unlike Philadelphia. That's why they got there. All right, let's talk about the West here. So game one actually took place yesterday. It was Phoenix defeating the Clippers 121-14. Devin Booker, his first career triple-double. This Phoenix Suns team, man, they don't lose. They were a laughingstock just a few years ago, and, and now look at them. Yeah, unbelievable. And let's face it, Chris Paul probably going to be back, but even if he's not, they already have that one-game lead. So they're playing with house money a little bit. I mean, he's probably could be back by then, but even with that being unknown, they're a six-point favorite. Look, the Clippers somehow, I mean, the Jazz just fell apart in that series. The injuries to Conley, the other injuries on the team. Rudy Gobert disappeared in that series, especially the last four games. But this is a a Phoenix team. We are watching Devin Booker live before our eyes go from good player, you know, bleeding scorer type guy to one of the five best, one of the true superstars in the league right before our eyes, and it has been awesome to watch. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because we just talked about over in the East with Atlanta gaining confidence and playing with house money right now. And although Phoenix was a high seed, I I, I got the feeling after they beat the Lakers, and I don't care why, AD's injury, whatever you want to call it, when they beat the Lakers, that had to boost their confidence because even though the Lakers were the seventh seed, they were the favorite to come out of the West from the sportsbook and the fan base in that. And when you get that and you start thinking, now we're the team to beat, that can be a powerful incentive. Yeah, not to mention that they didn't have to exert any energy. I mean, they absolutely destroyed the Denver Nuggets, had plenty of rest. Let's face it, Chris Paul's not hurt. This is a COVID issue. As soon as he's ready and cleared by the NBA, he'll be back, and he'll be at full strength. They are there as healthy as any team playing right now. And without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers really had to exert themselves and get unbelievable performances. I mean, the Clippers got such exceptional performances that Terrence Mann scored, what, 15 more points than his career high in a playoff game for them to beat Utah? Those kind of things aren't likely to continue. You have to like Phoenix in this series, and that's why they're a minus 420 favorite right now, up 1-0. to zero. You know, Kawhi Leonard does return, though. That could flip uh, the script, uh, no doubt about it, what this guy can do. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to both these series. It is much different. You know, last year you had the bubble. I think there, was, there wasn't that much interest. And, again, you mentioned the heat kind of came out of nowhere. This year, Matt, we've seen, like I said, the number one seed, the Utah Jazz, number one seed over in the east, the Philadelphia 76ers. We're slowly but surely getting back to normal. But, I don't know, we have not seen an NBA season, like I say, without a LeBron James or without Steph Curry and, and that sort of thing. So it is a little bit different as we start to see full arenas or close to full arenas now. I don't know, with with these four teams really unpredictable, you could really make a case for all four that they could win the title. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing in the NHL. I mean, a lot of people slept on both the Islanders and the Canadians, and I think that the series price, considering both series are tied, are still a little bit weighted toward both favorites, Tampa Bay and the Vegas Golden Knights. But at the end of the day, Montreal is as hot as any team, and the Islanders' defense is so good. Um, I, I think it's wide open in the NHL, too, a lot more than the odds may suggest. 
Matt, let's talk about the Golden Knights and the Canadians now. The series comes back to Vegas for Game 5 tomorrow night. It's tied 2-2. We had two very uh, entertaining games on the edge of the seat, uh, Games 3 and 4 in Montreal. Uh, give me your quick take, what you thought about the Flurry gaffe, and then now Flurry, uh, you know, being benched for Leonard in Game 4. Regardless of win or lose, regardless of the gaffe, you need to get Leonard a start in there, and he should have started game four. Start him in one of the road games. Don't put a start him at home where their pressure could be high and the fans might be chanting for flurry, and there's going to be more 29 jerseys in the arena than any other jersey. So I liked him getting the starting game four. I thought he played exceptional, too. I thought he made some good saves. He looked really solid. I mean, at one point in the in the at the end of the first period or midway through the second, there weren't a lot of shots in the game. I think it was 12 shots for Montreal, only five for Vegas. And Leonard was standing up. I mean, he looked really good in there. Um, boy, that gaffe was so bad by Flurry. And, and it just reminded me, going back to that Game 7 against San Jose, I remember I was in a bar with a bunch of Vegas Knights fans from Vegas. We were all at a conference. In New Jersey, we just happened to be there together, a bunch of sports betting industry guys watching that Golden Knights and Flurry collapse. And I mean, I granted it was a major penalty, um, but he certainly didn't do anything to help himself or the team during that penalty, allowing all those goals and then the game winner in overtime. He just he looked really bad at the end of that game, and that's a mistake you can't make. It's just inexcusable and. I still think he's the number one. It doesn't change many people's opinion here. He's so beloved in Vegas. But they need to get out of this series. Thank goodness they gave Robin Leonard a start. If nothing else, let's give Flurry a break. But even again, that game went to overtime again last night. People need to realize, we talked about it on this show last week, that if you were betting the Golden Knights last week, Look, you're probably broke because you lost 3-1 to one on that first game we were talking about. You lost to, like, minus 185 on the next game. You probably didn't even have money left to bet them again last night. It's hard to bet teams that are that heavy a favorite in a sport like hockey. It's hockey and baseball, the two sports where you never lay big juice. It's going to be really interesting coming home, and what we're seeing is – the odds are a little bit different. It's not 280, 290 anymore. It's 230, 240. So we've certainly seen the odds makers adjust for what the odds are Golden Knights at home versus Montreal than they were just one week ago when we were on the phone. Okay, all of us get to be Peter DeBoer here for a minute, okay? Start with you, Matt. Who starts tomorrow night in net game five? Flurry. Frank? I think it's going to be Flurry, but it would not shock me if it's Leonard. Just, just because he did play so well. And, I mean, you know, again, if I'm Montreal right now, I don't know what my mindset is. We just played the best game we can possibly play. We out, we had scoring chances 18-1, to 1, and we found a way to lose that game. Right, right. On home ice. Well, if, uh, if you are Pierre DeBoer, you will start Marc-Andre Fleury because you basically said that the gaffe had nothing to do with it. You were just giving Fleury a rest. So... You know that's what you do, but would, would it surprise me? I mean, hey, if you're Robin Leonard, I think you're fully expecting to start because he he had a great game, and he you know again he believes that you know well he was the number one before, so and again, but to Matt's point though, it's like hey, I'm not saying the the crowd would would boo or go crazy here, but you are coming back home, and we know that fans want to see Flurry you know between the pipes as well too. I mean. Be in the face of the franchise at home. I'm still amazed that the Vegas Golden Knights are in the situation they are 
with zero power play goals, 0 for 11 in this, and their top two lines have done nothing. Everybody complained about Petrangelo all year long. Why didn't we get a score? Why didn't we get a score? The defensemen have scored all the goals right now, and Nick Waugh has goals in the last two games. Their top six haven't done anything. If they get anything from the power player of their top two lines, they win the series easily. But I don't know that they can because Montreal's had a great game plan to shut those guys down. Matt, yeah, Montreal forecheck has been amazing. Matt, real quick here. So we look at the lines. The Golden Knights have been heavy favorites the first two games at home. They were still substantial favorites in games three and four. What is the line here for tomorrow night? And if, if you want the Golden Knights for the series price now that we're back even 2-2, is it where it was the beginning of the series at $5 or is it lower? So right now we're looking at minus 230s or minus 240s. What's interesting on the total where it was about 60% of the books were 55 40% were 5 every book is 5 There are no 55 on the total after so many unders. Um, the bookmakers have adjusted there. And our series price now, minus 340 Look, after that game one win, it was as high as minus 1400 <laughs> Now tied 2-2. Vegas Golden Knights minus 340 to win the series. All right, what do you think happens here? I think Vegas wins in seven, but I actually think it'll take seven games to get it done. I think the Islanders might shock the Tampa Bay Lightning and win that one in seven. All right. And it would be interesting, too, because if the Islanders do beat Tampa Bay and Vegas plays them, the Islanders are almost a carbon copy of the Montreal Canadiens with their defensive style of play with maybe a little bit more offensive push. I agree. I think they have a little bit more firepower, at least on paper, than Montreal does. And that could be a tricky series for the Golden Knights trying to hoist their first ever Stanley And Barry Trotz behind the bench. Yeah, again, there's a flashback (laughs) when he was with Washington. You know, it's funny, guys, that here we are in the semifinals of the NBA and the NHL. And honestly, unlike in many, many years, you can make a case basically for all four teams still standing here. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and Makes from, every night fun. It does. All right, brother. Thanks uh, for the time, man. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Take care. There he is, Matt Holt. Uh, always busy, uh, again, from the integrity side, the former uh, sportsbook uh, side as well. So it's, it's great to get to his thoughts on, on all of this. This guy's traveling around all over the place, uh, dealing with conferences and, and teams and that sort of thing. Again, trying to... Uh, Keep a good cap on the integrity side of sports with all these teams and leagues. So appreciate him as always. And the cap is very important when it comes to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we're capping the cap. That's what we're doing here. Uh, Although if he has Dougie Hamilton, uh, Tampa Bay's only there because they're 18 million oh, over the God, cap, God. which is really only 17.3 yeah, million yeah, over. See, it, it's another thing. Don't get me going with the <laughs> NHL. From everything from injury reports to the cap, and well, you and, don't like the injury reports? Yeah, I don't like. I don't like a lot about the. Yeah, NHL. Did, how about the question after the last game from the Montreal media when they asked Pete DeBoer, "Is Chandler Stevenson even in Montreal or is he back uh-huh. in Vegas?" And DeBoer basically said. I, I want to talk about the players that are on the ice, not other ones. He yeah. wouldn't even answer the question. Yeah. They're listing his day-to-day, and they can't even confirm if he's in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. This is nonsense. Again, no other sport, okay? No other sport. And look, should not even sh- Bundesliga? <laughs> should, I, should I keep going here, too? It's driving me nuts when I'm sitting here. Anyway, it's, it's a long tradition. It's happened forever and ever. But, okay, let's get the clock right. Let's get the clock right in hockey, okay? When you're saying the guy scores, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, 118, you know, he scores 118. He's not scoring 118. He's scoring at 
at uh, 18, whatever that is, 48 or 1842. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, that has always driven me nuts about this sport as well, too. Uh, everybody else will say, okay, well, there's 235 left in regulation. You're not going to say 17, whatever it is. Do the math. You're letting the little stuff switch, aren't yeah, you? It does. It does. All this is I sweating. Can tell. Yeah, because the injury stuff, the, the lower body, the upper body, not knowing who's where and this and that. Does scoring in tennis bother you with the 15, 30, 40 love? I'm used to it. And again, you know, it I, I, I literally had friends years ago that would say, well, I don't play tennis because I don't, I don't know how to keep score. So call it one, two, three, four. You don't have right. to use 15, right. 30, 40, no, love. But it, again, remember on my tirade last weekend about American sports or the American sports public, how we view this, the, the hockey, the NHL, because it's a foreign sport. It's Canadian, this and that. And again, yes, it, it is one of the reasons why it's a distant fourth. Just convert a little bit, okay? You want to do the three periods? Okay, fine. But keep the clock the same and report the scores the same. Report the timing the same as what we're used to in basketball and everything else. That's all I'm saying. Keep it consistent. But you hate the metric system. I hate the metric system. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What is 100 meters? How many yards actually is that, you know? Yeah. Is it 1,500 or mile or what? I don't know. Uh, close enough, right? Exactly. <laughs> We're dealing with records here. We're dealing with tradition here, my friend. Who knows? All right, we come back. We've got some Las Vegas Raiders news and some news that has really nothing to do with the team on the field, but uh, a player. We'll give you that and a whole lot more coming your way. <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, glad to have you with us. Timothy Bradley, he's going to join us on Wednesday this week as we get ready for more boxing here Saturday night, part of the June Fight Series with Top Rank Boxing and ESPN. We were at the fight's on Saturday night, and uh, the monster definitely lived up to the nickname. Body shots, man. The body shots, and we uh, we posted it on uh, on Twitter and on social media and all that. Instagram as well. TC Martin twenty one is now on Instagram. There's the breaking news for you, Numbshock. Thank you to Doctor Christina Madison. There you go. She says, you know, you, you got to be on Instagram. I said, I fought Instagram forever and ever and ever and ever. I go, that's like the, the, the 20-somethings, the, the female 20-somethings. And they go, no, you got to be on Instagram because you post all these pictures all the time. And Instagram is for that. All your food pictures, all this other stuff. I said, fine, set it up. So, And I think Instagram isn't just the 20-somethings anymore because now right. now the younger people go to the TikTok and whatever else all the other stuff is. So. Numbshock is so excited. He went and followed me right away. There he goes. So before I even joined the, the Instagram, she goes, well, you already got like followers on here. So I didn't know that I, I guess I had a different one set up. So, I, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just getting to the Instagram world there. So there you go. But uh, there it is. Do you want to follow me? There you go. Right. TC, TC Martin 21, just like Twitter. So now we can promo that as well, too. But anyway. TC Martin 21. So I don't know why I said that. Oh, because I, I posted that video on both of those of the body shots from when we were watching the fight on Saturday night. But and as good as the monster look, that first fight of the final three, mm. the, the first TV fight. Yes. If, if you were watching the College World Series and you weren't at the fights, I hope you stayed up and got to see it later because that fight was sensational. Well, they did, uh, from what I understand, they told people to go to ESPN2. So they did show the fight with, uh, mm-hmm. with Lopez and 
Uh, and that was a fantastic fight. It was a 10-round fight. Yeah, and then Michaela Mayer dominated the women's fight, uh, the champion there. But, yeah, uh, the monster definitely, wouldn't you agree, uh, billed as advertised. Did not disappoint. Yeah, definitely. It, it, the one thing that, they, that I had heard was some people said he might come, because it's a, a longer fight, he might come out a little bit slow. There wasn't really a feeling out process. He came out, he throws yeah. with bad intention. I believe he landed 30 punches in the fight, and 17 of them were body shots. So right. he was going to the body, then he'd go upstairs when he wanted to, but he was just chopping down the tree, and uh, it went down in a big way. Yes, the monster victorious over Das Marinas. Uh, really, no contest in that fight. But fight fans definitely got their money's worth because plenty of action on the It was card. entertaining. It yeah. was fun. It, it was a nice crowd there. No, I mean, I, I, again, nothing against Shakur Stevenson, but that, this is the kind of stuff. And, again, that, that, that first fight of the TV part of it, when you said that some people go and they want Rock'em Sock'em robots, yep. you got that there. Yep. And Inoue is also a Rock'em Sock'em robot. He'll I deliver. Mean, he, he is did. a fun little yep. – when I first heard it, how can you be a monster at 118 pounds? Right. Now I know. Now you know. Yeah. He's, he's fun. That's the third time I've seen him fight. His, uh, you know, and Rio Donaire ran to him. He was at the fight who had that great fight uh, with him in Japan, and Donaire just won the title back in his last fight. So uh, they were there backstage, and uh, maybe setting up a, another rematch with those two. So that would, that would be fantastic as well, too. All right, uh, so more boxing coming up Saturday. We'll have fight tickets to give away as well, too. The biggest name of the fight cards that they've had there. Vasily Lomachenko. Lomo's back. The Matrix. So you had the monster last week. You got the Matrix this week. It's uh, at the Virgin coming up Saturday night. Of course, we'll be out there looking forward to that, and we'll give you an opportunity to win. But uh, if you can't win, buy your tickets for Lomachenko. This will be his first fight since losing to that great fight uh, you know, last fall. With uh, Tilafimo Lopez, so this is going to be, yeah, the Matrix is going to be ready to go, and and he's fighting uh, Nakatani, who is a great fighter in his own right. So that'll be a little rock and sock and robots as yeah, well too. And I know a lot of places say this all the time. Oh, not a bad seat in the house. With the theater over there, formerly the joint, there's really not a bad seat in the house because the right. ring is in a in an advantageous place. You can see all the action. You can see everything. They also do have the TV monitors and that to see the replays and everything. It, it, it it's a it's a really nice venue to check out boxing action. There it is. All right, uh, breaking news. We go to the NFL side here. In Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib. Uh, had an announcement to make. We will let Carl Nassib talk. Uh, the 28-year-old, he was a third-round pick uh, out of the Browns in 2016. Also played with the uh, Buccaneers as well, uh, too. He almost uh, made that Buccaneers, uh, rather the uh, Browns team, if you saw Hard Knocks that year that they did with Baker Mayfield and that Browns team when they were going through all of their coaching changes and all that stuff. So Nassib got a pretty good role in Hard Knocks, and uh, he's been with the Raiders now for past couple seasons, and we know John Gruden really likes him. Well, Carl Nassib uh, wanted to make an announcement to everyone today, and here's Carl Nassib. What's up, people? I'm Carl Nassib. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. Um, I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. Um, I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. Um, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. Um, I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. Um, 
But until then, you know, I'm going to do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. And I'm going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. They're an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. And they're truly doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to be a part of it, to help in any way that I can. And I'm really pumped to see what the future holds. Uh, that's all I have for you guys. I hope you have a great day. Work hard. All right, there's Carl Anasib, the Las Vegas Raider, uh, talking about coming out, uh, being gay, making that announcement. Uh, Pride Week, a lot of attention, you know, within the community, uh, you know, regarding that. And it, this is something, obviously, that he's dealt with and lived with probably for quite some time, taking this opportunity to actually get in this office chest, as he like to say, and, and, and come out with this. And as we know, uh, we have seen this uh, before in sports, specifically the NFL, that uh, it is a risk doing this the way he could be perceived. But, uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, uh, people will not have anti-gay slurs or rants uh, towards him. It'll be interesting to see uh, how this is viewed in the locker room with the Raiders, viewed how fans uh, treat Carl Nassib. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just have the feeling that, uh, you know, that by him getting out in front of this and the way, um, you know, all the community is about embracing uh, the, the lifestyle right now, I, I think uh, this is a good thing for Carl Nassib. No, it, it probably is. It might even be a good thing, and, I, and I'm sure that this was not his motivation. It might even be a good thing endorsement-wise and that sort of stuff because, like you say, it is a different world out there now, and it does make sense that he would do this towards the end of Pride Month, and uh, I think it is a much more accepting locker room facilities and just the general culture of everything, and let's not make any mistake about it. He is not the first gay player in the NFL. He's the first one that's openly coming out announcing he's gay during his playing career. First active player, yeah, yes. Yeah, correct. generally guys yes. wait till after their careers are over or they write a book or something, you know, uh, the North Dallas 40, you know, that book from years and years ago. We know that there were some coaches that apparently had told some other players, look, I don't care what this guy is. He's performing with us on the football field. It's just part of life. But we knew it was going to come kind of soon. And uh, it, it does kind of seem like the right time for it. The timing right now in the world with everything else going on, it's certainly not as big of a thing as it used to be. And uh, I don't really know that it has an effect in the locker room. It's not like any player in that locker room is thinking, oh, my God, we have a gay player. Every one of them have played with a gay player at some point in their life up to this point, whether they knew the guy was gay or not. So this goes back to, remember, the 2014. So remember Michael Sam. Okay, he didn't play in the NFL because he didn't make the team with the Rams. Now, the Rams drafted him, but he didn't make the team. So I know that Michael Sam was hoping to be that first active player in the NFL, but let's be honest, he was ostracized. Ostracized by the, the front office, the organization, players in general. This was 2014. That was seven years ago. But Michael Sam came out while he was playing at the University of Missouri. And said he was gay at that point in time toward towards the end, you know, of his career. And some people and, actually accused him of coming out at that point, yes. to tr to saying that he was putting pressure on teams that it would be harder to cut him yes. because of that. Now I don't know the story. I'm assuming that's probably not why he did it. He probably didn't want all the worries and everything, and and, and continue to hide and go through depression or whatever. But there were people accusing him of that, saying like, "Well, since there's not an active gay player in the NFL, if he comes out and says he's gay, no one's going to dare cut him." They actually sold jerseys of his from the training camp. Now, NFL executives and team owners and coaches and that are going to say to you, "It's like, 
He wasn't good enough. Yeah. It had nothing to do with it because in the end we just want to win football games. So, you know, was he ostracized? Was there something against him? Was it pointed out to be that way? I don't know for sure, but certainly no one's ever going to say that. Right. So Carl Nassib, uh, in another important part of that, his announcement today, donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which he is very passionate about as well, too. So that's uh, And, that's and good. he said that's to, to gay youth and the LGBTQ T community yes. in that for uh, for suicide prevention exactly. and that sort of stuff, which is right. a big problem I, I, amongst kids in that. I saw some stuff in the news last night where they had some uh, some things in different parks and that sort of thing to try to uh, be, because that is and, and just in youth in general. I mean, the, the teen suicide rate, especially after the pandemic of last year and that kind of stuff, it's alarming numbers right now. All right, training camp right around the corner. Uh, you know, the Raiders conclude their their mini camp. All teams pretty much conclude their mini camp. John Gruden pretty happy with uh, uh, everything that uh, transpired. We'll see what happens when the team reconvenes here at the end of July as well, too. So uh, we'll keep you focused uh, on that as well, too. And it looks like finally, too, that you know, season ticket holders now they're they're getting their seats all locked in. There is going to be sixty five thousand fans allowed at. Allegiant Stadium when the Raiders had their two exhibition games in August as well, too. We've heard more and more news, more events coming from concerts to everything else. It is official. Yes, SummerSlam will be coming uh, August uh, the 21st as well, too. So it seems like uh, this will be the first time, I think, that, and I'm hoping this will be league-wide with the NFL where we're not going to be restricted on the number of people going to sporting events because we're still dealing with it right now. When you look at these NBA arenas, they're still not at full capacity. I mean, it looks like it, you know. Teams... And there's still a giant variance from state to state right. and city to city. Right. And uh, really, the Golden Knights, really the only ones for the most part that every seat is is taking their T-Mobile arena. Which is interesting because why do they do that and like the Aces have still have yeah. their restrictions and different things. And and I know the Aviators now have full full stadiums as well. Right. Right. So I guess, you know, my point is we're going to enter into a full season where it looks like we're not going to have any restrictions. And it sounds like every team in the NFL, all 32 teams, are going to be open for that. Now, and too. real concerts again instead of just Zoom stuff. Yes. You know, I, I, I think Garth Brooks is still planning on doing a big show over at Allegiant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're booking events. And then some good music coming, too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you, you, you don't like both kinds? Of the music, country, I like the country and, and, and the western. western. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. There you go. I just don't like beer bottles smashing in front of my face on the chicken wire. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the heck out of here, as they said. Yeah, about our pay tonight, Bob. You know, yeah, you boys. The best darn country music we've had in this joint. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you're paid tonight. Okay, yeah, it's two hundred dollars, and you drank three hundred dollars worth of beer. Well, yeah, but uh, when we came in here, uh, they gave us the first one, so we thought it was free for the pen. Oh, no, 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 no. We could do this all day. Well, Bob, we loved playing here. I'm going to go out to the car while my brother, you know, starts Because i got to sign find... the traveler's check. Yeah. And... Let me find my pencil here. Yeah, well, It's in the glove compartment. Right. Start the engine. I want to thank <laughs> Big Bill Cartwright for joining us and Matthew Holt as well, too. Terrible Tuesday takes tomorrow and a whole lot more. And plus, we preview game number five at the Fortress tomorrow night between the Canadians and the Golden Knights. Who will be in goal? Mm, more thoughts about that tomorrow. Carey Price. For Montreal, winner, <laughs> no doubt. Golden Knights, not so sure yet. We'll see. All right, if you missed any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Check out the blogs. Check out the interviews. It's all up there for you. 
And we'll catch you tomorrow here at 2.